This session is looking at wine standards and certification. Uh, clarity, coordination and common cause. How do we make this happen? Uh, and um, we've got a, an excellent panel again, uh, Linda Johansson, who's the sustainability manager from System Belaget in Sweden, uh, Anna-Laure Ferroir, who's the director of Terravitas in France, Stefano Stefanucci, who's the executive director of Equalitas, and Anna Varsi, who, rather confusing, is also another Anna-Laure, um, who's the associate director of sustainability standards and schemes at LSQA. Um, I'll get them to say a bit more about who they are and, and their organizations in a moment. Um, but as, as those of you that with the um, the AGM um, on Tuesday will know, the this issue of standards and certification um, has been was central to sort of what SWR was set up to do, uh, and for the coming year will certainly be a, a key focus of our work. Uh, not the only thing that we're going to be working on, but I think this issue of of, of how to to lend some form of structure systematization to what's currently a very extended set of, of of standards around the world um is i think something that's that's necessary um for all sorts of reasons i mean the the, the most basic reason so consumers at least have some idea what they're buying um uh, but also and i think this is an important point that came out of the discussion that the panelists and, and i had earlier in the week actually it's to it's to, to allow those standards to share their experience and knowledge between themselves um but then also for for, for retailers like um like linda at system bolaget to to have a clearer vision of of you know if you're buying um a wine from one part of the world with this uh, certification how does that compare and contrast with wine bought from another part of the world um it's sort of almost like google translate for for wine standards um so uh in terms of the ecosystem of, of organizations we have around the table today we have three organizations who, when we spoke to them earlier in the week, said they're all in standards, but then they subsequently said, well, it's not quite as clear as that. So again, I'll get them to explain that in a moment. But broadly, we have three organisations who are involved at the standards and certification end of things. They can explain the nuance themselves in a moment, because uh, I thought I had a very neat, neat way of describing it. But there we go. Best laid plans of mice and men. And then we have Linda um, System Balaget, who's at the retail end of things. Um, so we, the way I'm going to try and play this session is sort of have it as a sort of an ongoing conversation but again as with the previous um session um anyone in the audience wants to raise a point make a question please stick it in the chat box um this isn't just about us talking between ourselves questions from the from the audience are, are, are really key um and the way i've done it is i've suggested in each sort of topic area that one of the the, the, the panelists will, will will lead off so at the point at which you're first speaking if you wouldn't mind each panelist just saying a little bit more initially about who you are your organization not extensive just a couple of sentences so the audience know about this so the the first area is well what sort of standard do we actually want um you know there is an argument for saying actually what we want is you know a bit like something perhaps like a you know a, a rainforest alliance or a fair trade or an certified we need there to be a global standard out there which can apply to all wineries everything to do with wine everywhere in the world um or do we want something which is more of a reference point something which says here are all the standards these get brought together how do they co-compare what what you know, and then those can be benchmarked to understand how the where the similarities are, where the differences are. Um, what do we actually want? Um, Stefano, going to lead off with you because an expression you used, which I thought was very valuable, is mutual recognition. So off you go. Over to you first, Stefano. Great. Thanks a lot. Uh, first of all, uh, uh, a few sentences so about myself. As you said, uh, I am the executive director at the Qualitas. It's an Italian-born 
sustainability initiative promoted by FederDoc. FederDoc is an association, it's uh, the Confederation of Voluntary Consortia for the Protection of the Designations of Italian Wines, so PDOs and PGIs. And uh, Equalitas is a so-called standard owner, as you said. Uh, so it means that we have issued a standard, a set of good uh, practice requirements and sustainability indicators. So through an audit made by third-party certification bodies, wineries can certify against our standard. Uh, so there is a difference, uh, actually, between a standard owner and a certification body. Uh, just one more thing, I said Italian board because uh, Equalitas uh, certifications have recently been issued in Spain and uh, will soon be released in other countries. So the standard is not limited uh, to Italy. Coming to your point, uh, that is a very good point. I would say that at SWR we have been working together for a while now and uh, I would say that we talk, we exchange ideas. Uh, we as standard owners are trying to collaborate uh, but uh, how can this uh, improving alignment among uh, sustainability schemes uh, help buyers build effective sourcing strategies? Uh, the global standard is a chimera, in my view. Uh, there are many reasons for that, and the first is business. Uh, there are money involved, so uh, it's difficult to, to force standard owners to give up. And that is not the only reason. If you look at us, FederDoc is an association, so business is not the first place. Uh, but what matters for us is the, to be in the control room or in the war room, as you say, I think, in English, if I'm not wrong. But creating equalities, FederDoc wanted to intercept the feeling of producers towards sustainability. And we did not want others to tell us, to tell the producers what to do. It's a kind of revolution that started from the base, so to change the usual paradigm with the retailers or institutions are in first place. So it's unlikely that also we give up, even if we are not interested in business. But we can work at a global reference to share a common interpretation of what is sustainability in the wine sector, setting the bonds, maybe setting the bar. So the various standard owners can work towards an alignment and they can adopt, uh, maybe through the SWR, mutual recognition strategies. In other words, let a standard in California exist, one in France, one in South Africa, one in Italy. If they say the same things, companies shall not need all the certificates to work with different markets. Uh, because if, they get, uh, if they, get, they get one certificate, they can either be okay for every retailer or they can get other certifications without multiple audits. And this is not utopic, and this is exactly what we have been working uh, on since the very beginning at Equalitas. And uh, there's no time for uh, uh, all the examples, all the initiatives. I will quote just one. Uh, after two years of hard work, uh, we signed a mutual recognition agreement with Amfori, Amfori BSCI. It means, and I will not explain what is Amfori, I think uh, nearly everybody uh, knows, but even if not, just think about uh, another standard owner. Uh, if a company is uh, asked for an Amfori audit now, if they have the Equalitas certification, they just can raise the hand and say, hey, I am already okay because I have Equalitas. There is a mutual recognition, so they do not need the other audit. So this can be done. This is not utopic, and we have already several examples. So I hope you agree on this. Yes. Thanks very much. Who wants to come in next? Um, okay, Anna, you first. I know, Anna. 
no you, that you you <laughs> you are, yeah. I, i'm pointing at you realize that that doesn't really help but um, france anna okay okay let's go so i don't know if everybody knows about terabitis so i will be short so terabitis is first an association of more than 1800 female and male one growers what now um spreading uh all french vineyards and then uh, it's also a pioneer certification founded on the three pillar of the sustainable development dedicated to the wine sector. So right now, the certification Terravitis is more or less 25 years old. So I'm the director for the moment. Um, what I want to say is that I totally agree with you, Stefano, for several reasons. Um, first, I think that the role of SWR is not to densify the jungle of certifications, label, reference, and so on. Um, I think that our role if, is first to help to clarify uh, what are finally the key points when we speak about sustainable development in the wine sector. So if we think about creating a new total standard, I think it's not a good way because it's too complicated and we're not going to help people finally, and all the stakeholders to be involved into this uh, great and white uh, right, um, uh, question. So first, and the second point, and you told about also, also Stefano is, uh, for example, Terravitis is first, as I said, an association of white growers. So finally, they build and found um, a certification, who of course is uh, controlled also by a third part. So it's important, but, it's finally a certification which is really pragmatic. Uh, so we take into account all the local diversity, specificities, realities. So finally, it's really important to say, no, it's not bottom up. We think that we can go uh, ahead, we can um, improve our uh, practice and so on. So let's go and let's think uh, finally together, collectively, how we can do that. Okay. Um, other Anna, you next, please. Yes, I do. Okay. This will be confusing. <laughs> I, I, I'm also Anna Laura, actually. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's funny. Okay, so as as uh, thank you very much to uh, for being invited to this uh, outstanding global panel. We are in different, definitely different parts of the world. I'm based in Uruguay, South America. LSQA, uh, our organization, is a certification and verification body which operates in the agri-food chain for food safety and sustainability, both environmental and social dimensions. Uh, and we are working together with the National Wine Institute in Uruguay and other key stakeholders from research, from producers and from the academia to build a national sustainable wine growing standard. Uh, for 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 Uruguay, so um, this is a yeah a, a, a great uh, um, initiative for us to be also part of the sustainable wine uh, roundtable because I definitely fully agree with Stefano and and Annalor that uh, we we need uh, we don't need to create a new standard. We have to consider in the in the benchmarking process also to consider the local realities, the local challenges. The local legislation and built on existing schemes without okay. uh, reinventing the wheel. So there is there is a lot of work done in the different regions, and it's key that the sustainable uh, uh, roundtable can bring all these 
knowledge and 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 work together to 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 yeah to to improve the 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 baseline and therefore um, yeah have have a, a common understanding and common knowledge of what sustainability means so the roundtable can bring this to to consumers with the with 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 clarity on on what what sustainable wine means uh, globally and not to have so many different confusing uh, understandings and definitions on this. Okay. Um, moving to Linda, um, you arguably you could say that from, from a retailer's perspective, um, there may be an attraction to a global standard because it's potentially anyway, superficially, um, more straightforward. You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's something that, you know, you're selling wines from literally around the world. And as, as um, my colleague James said, we'd rather like to be in your office, please. Um, although we may require a bed afterwards, but um, what's your what's your take on this? Yeah, sure. I'll answer that question and, and first just then give a brief introduction, like all the other yeah. panelists Good here. Point. So, though we have a very beautiful office in central Stockholm, the picture behind me is from one of our stores. Um, just to remind ourselves that uh, I'm representing retailers here, but on the other hand, I'm representing a type of retailer which is. Uh, perhaps not so common globally, uh, we are a state monopoly um, and we also collaborate a lot with the other state monopolies in the Nordic countries. Um, and actually on this very topic that we're here to discuss today regarding certifications, uh, because we have identified exactly what you were uh, talking about just now, Peter, from a retailer's point of view, it would be super easy just to have one standard we would know that's what we would ask for in all our buying processes, in all our tenders. Uh, but obviously, that's not the case. And we also acknowledge what some of the other panelists here pointed out, the importance to kind of see the local um, variety and, and the local need. And of course, some of the, the, the local standards also have a great value in that particular market, because, I mean, wine is something which is sold in the market as well as for export. So, of course, we totally understand that there has to be this kind of um, spread of, of certifications. But nevertheless, we, we needed to help ourselves in the way that we were addressing certifications and, and working on this topic. So together with the other um, Nordic monopolies since a couple of years now, we have actually been trying to compare um, certifications um, with each other um, in, in a work that we refer to as a benchmark study that takes place um, every year. And, and that's obviously far from perfect. So that's why we see still great value in the sustainable wine wine table to take that work forward, uh, because we do see this as important. We, we, of course, want to use the standards and certifications both to um, make it easier for ourselves in the way that we work with sustainability in the buying process. But obviously, we want to see real change on the ground. At the end of the day, this is not a desk exercise. It's not just paper. It's all, it's there to make sure that we contribute to positive change. Let it be climate, environment, waste, and all the people, obviously, um, involved in this. So we are very excited about the Sustainable Wine Right Table as such, and particularly around the topic um, of certification, where we hope that we can build on uh, some of the work that we have already done in terms of looking at all the certifications. I think we have some 35 plus certifications right now that we have studied quite extensively um, over the last three years to kind of compare and understand, are we comparing apples to apples here? Um, and then on the customer perspective, I believe we, we are coming back to that a little bit later. So I'll, I'll save commenting on 
if we are confused as a retailer, what do customers feel? <laughs> uh, yes, as you say, we're coming to that later in this session. Um, I want to now pick up on a point that both of the Annas have made, which is about um, the specificity of the problems. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, this this was reflected, I think, in to some extent in the in the previous session that um, to some extent the the issues that are being faced are the same on environmental issues, for example, to do with water, um, to do with, um, you know, dramatic rises in, in heat and temperature. But the specific and, and the, but the specifics of how that manifests is very, very different um, location by location. So um, French analog, I wonder what, what did come to you first? Uh, you know, how do you develop a structure which is both generic within a standard, which is both generic enough to be um, to allow to use Linda's expression, to be comparing apples with apples, but to recognise that to some extent that's a difficult thing to do. How, how, how do you get that balancing act to work between having something which is sufficiently structured and systematised to be useful to an onward user, but at the same time is um, realistically reflects the specific challenges the particular location might have? You're totally right. It's not that easy because every time we have to take a decision for it to go ahead or just to think about what a... New point, for example, to uh, add to your specification, we are often faced with this challenge. And yes, how could we manage it? I think that first, the most important is identifying the key, the common causes, objectives about uh, sustainable viticulture or sustainable development. We need to be, of course, ambitious, but we can also think um, in several steps. Okay, I know that. Uh, my biggest challenge is this one. How can I manage it? And how finally can I help everybody to get in? So first, identifying, I think, the key and common objectives and causes. Secondly, we need to think globally, uh, collectively, to create this standard or this uh, uh, objective, taking, of course, all the different situations and so on. And how could we help everybody to be involved? we need to give some clues and some tools to achieve the common objective. I think it's the most important. And how can I help that? We need to exchange. We need to share experience. We need to, pra uh, to share practices, ideas, finally to help people, uh, wine growers and stakeholders to be, I think, inspired to test something. Okay, I can try, it's working. So yes, I can try uh, in my vineyards and let's see if it's okay. So yes, there is different steps. So first, what I want to, to do, what is the common point in going step by step, um, being sure that we could involve everybody, giving them, yes, of course, clues and tools. Okay, that's interesting. I mean, we're coming to that sharing point in a moment, and I think that's a really important one. Um, Stefan, I want to come to you next on this, because again, you're, you're, you're covering, in inverted commas, a country, but it's very very wide differentiation so what's your take on this yeah i, I fully agree with uh, anna laura and uh, we are also we also have a step-by-step -step approach so to be as much inclusive as we can but uh, uh and i can talk for two hours about this but i won't uh, i wanted to stress all, uh, one more concept that uh, Step by step is fine, uh, inclusive, in, to be inclusive also, but uh, at last we need robust schemes. Equalitas is often uh, acknowledged as a robust scheme, 
And at the beginning, some years ago, this was a point against us and often brought to humiliation. Because I would dare to say that uh, uh, we were put on the same level as other projects with uh, much less deepness. But the quality of success is increasing. And in my view, that is due to our uh, reliability and completeness. Uh, so there are simple programs, uh, too simple, that are designed to improve the industry overall. Uh, and they are less demanding. They are probably thought uh, uh, to improve the industry over, overall. But if we want to help the consumer to find, and we'll, we'll talk about the consumer later, but to find the uh, uh, more sustainable wines, quantitatively and qualitatively, uh, this requires uh, fulfilling set standards. So uh, we have chosen option number two to be uh, as exhaustive as it is possible. Okay. Um, Anna, Uruguay, Anna. Over to you on this one. Yes, I, I agree with, with all, all the others. Uh, definitely the, the benchmarking needs to be inclusive, needs to be uh, a collaborative process, which will promote somehow best practices and knowledge sharing. So this will bring improvements and will raise the base, baseline. So it will give the opportunity to the smaller ones also to play the game. So this cannot be just for, for big corporations or for the, for the top ones. So this needs to make sure it is inclusive because sustainability is about, by definition, is about inclusion. So uh, the benchmarking process has to make sure that the, uh, not the process itself, but the work of the roundtable, that the this knowledge sharing and, and best practice sharing will make a, sure that smaller wineries, less developed countries and, and or regions are not, are not left behind uh, out of the game in this process. So that's what a point I want to make. Okay, that um, it's interesting both you and Stefan have made the point about um, sort of thoroughness um, in depth. Um, the next issue I'd like to come to is this question of, of as it were, oversight. Um, oversight audit is an issue that gets spoken about a lot in relation to standards. Um, uh, you know, we did uh, with Innovation Forum, we did a report last year that looked at the apparel sector, you know, and there there's an, there's an argument sometimes put forward, which is you end up with, with the standards process being too heavy. Um, so um, dealing with the issues to do with standards, particularly if they're certified, um, can be time consuming and expensive and, and that therefore perhaps it is sometimes suggested that, that self-certification processes um, are, are kind of the way to go. Um, what's what's the panel's view on that um anna coming back to you um first on this um so what's your view um self-certified at one end or um audit on the other yeah well of course we strongly believe that third-party certification and third-party verification adds value to the supply chain from different perspectives so on the one hand auditing measuring verifying bring companies into a continuous improvement cycle on sustainable practices. So this somehow fosters the positive transformation on organizations. Yesterday, we had the opportunity to listen to Valentina, for example, from Conchi Toro. She was, I don't know, everybody could, could listen to her. She was explaining their own experience on how going through certification processes have made them make, yeah, this, this continuous improvement cycle. So. We definitely believe this is one of the most important contributions of, of the auditing and measuring and verifying. But on the other hand, uh, third-party independent, third-party endorsement protects the brands 
against uh, the risk of greenwashing, for example, which occasionally, yeah, it, it may happen or it might be sometimes the consumer perception when claims are not substantiated, are not, uh, are only based on self-declarations, consumer could say, oh, anybody can say anything. So uh, the third party um, uh, endorsement is, is, a, is an additional layer of, of, of protection to the brands uh, to, to support and to, to give evidence for that, uh, for that declarations. You may have heard there is a new greenwashing now that is called impact washing. I don't know if everybody has, has heard about this. This is the new greenwashing now because sustainability is not only about taking care of resources. Sustainability is also to demonstrate a positive impact to people and planet while making profit. So especially now in relation, more, more related to the financial sector and investment, there is this new term around about impact washing. So we definitely believe in the, in the wine sector. There, are, there is a lot, there are a lot of great stories to tell about sustainable agriculture. The sector is working very hard to do things right. And third party certification and verification gives an additional layer of trust, of confidence and transparency. So reinforcing the value chain of trust. This is definitely our point of view. Okay, thanks for that. Um, you've talked a lot about sort of consumer confidence in the thing. Linda, going to come to you on this. Um, what's your take? Because you could say to pick up on Anna's point that third party certification lends credibility. On the other hand, potentially also lends costs. So, you know, how does that impact, for example, perhaps on consumer decisions? Yeah. I mean, just that's the starting point also that I wanted to make a comment on, uh, Peter, um, how we got into this as well. I mean, the, the comparison to the apparel industry, I find very interesting because also because I have 13 years of working in the apparel industry uh, for a major retailer before I, I changed industries. Um, and I mean, the reason why the apparel industry actually works quite heavily on self-assessment is because they're auditing um, and the third parties has been since the mid 90s. So, I mean, that industry has now for, what is that? Is that 30 years now then, <laughs> you know, gone through this whole process? Um, and uh, at least from my experience, the business relationships are quite different. Um, so I think that suits that industry quite well. I mean, the way we see it is, of course, that we would also see at the end of the day that a third party verification is needed. And I think especially also from a customer perspective, uh, because as mentioned earlier, I mean, it's even challenging for us who are in the industry to know exactly what is what with, between all the different certifications. If there is an element of self-assessment on the course to uh, getting a certification, for example, I, I think that's great. That's a great option because, I mean, at the end of the day, it's ownership that we would want to see in the industry. I mean, to have a certification and a third party verification is again a symptom of that there is some kind of, I don't know if it's the right term to say that there's some lack of trust or uh, lack of ownership in the industry. Uh, because if, if, I mean, if everyone was kind of already on board regardless of the size uh, of their company, it, it wouldn't be needed, but we're not there yet. So I think, um, third-party verifications are important where we are right now uh, but of course anything at least in my opinion that could lead to complete ownership that you do all of these sustainability aspects for yourself that's when we're going to see the big change I always get a bit like 
stressed when I have a discussion with a supplier or a producer and they are like, yeah, yeah, we did this and that because it's the envelope and you said so. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, oh, well, yeah, okay, it's good. I understand in my role as a retailer, I have to send a strong demand signal and show what we want and expect and what customers want in Sweden. But I would wish that you would want to do this for yourself, for your own pride and, and for your own incorporation in your business policies. Um, so I think that's also an important sort of long-term goal to keep in mind. So we don't just get stuck here and now with sort of certification and third party and self-assessment and so on. So that's that kind of a, a method um, towards something better long-term. And that's an, an interesting point you make. And it's, it's, it's a little like trying to encourage one's children to do homework um, rather than I did it because you nagged me, dad. You yeah. They wanted to do it for themselves. Um, but interestingly, just to, uh, when we ran a seminar with the um, SWR members about a month ago, one of the questions we were looking at was what were drivers for sustainability? And one of the, the, the key things that came up was be better, not necessarily just in an ethical sense, but, but in the sense of we want to be as w- good as we can in everything that we do, which I thought was an interesting, interesting justification. Mm. Um, sort of, Anne-Laure, um, you know, you, you, you represent a, quite a range of organisations. And, you know, so where, where does the balancing act sit here? Because it seems, to, you know, that there's the potential that, uh, again, to pick up with Anna's point, that, you know, smaller institutions might find an audit process overly expensive, overly complicated. On the other hand, there is this point about the, the, the point that, that, that has been made so far, that it, it lends credibility, it, it, it lends improvement. Where, where does that balancing act sit amongst the organisations you work with? Um, I think that there is really two different points because when you want to be certified or when you um, begin you know, finally this kind of, um, uh, of type of thing, it's first that you, you are really awareness about uh, this point. So it's more on our... Uh, more, um, most of the, our um, members finally wanted really to go uh, ahead. And finally, when they uh, discovered Terravitis, what they discovered first is, okay, well, uh, thanks to this certification, I really will structure, uh, I have a really good structuration and organization uh, and an internal one. So it's, I think, a really good uh, job for the smaller wineries because finally, okay, well, thanks to our certification, I can be better because I can be more efficient because I'm more structured. So it's the first uh, thing I want to say about, I think, smaller wineries, because in France, you know that we have really uh, small wineries and our association are made from smaller wineries. So it's first, uh, first thing. The second one is, yes, uh, right now I'm certified. That means, okay, uh, we rec- um, I'm recogn- uh, there is like a recognition finally of uh, efforts, good practices and values. So it's really good and satisfying. So it's interesting also. And I think that the last one is, okay, now I, ha- I get a certification. Sometimes that could mean to maintain or to give an access to a new market. So there is finally really different points and steps, I think. And it's the same for small ones, smaller wineries, <clears throat> and bigger companies, I think. Thanks for that. Um, I'm going to come last to you on this, Stefano. And actually, but I want to give a slight nuance. There's an interesting point made by Anna, which to some, sorry, Anna Hooper, yet another Anna, um, 
um, from Australian Wine and Grape, um, mm. who was speaking on the last panel, mm. um, which to some extent pits up uh, and Laura, on your, your previous point, Cert and, and Anna Hooper's comment is certification programs that involve frequent audits are not always cost effective for very small producers. Um, merely takes resource away from real action on the ground. Uh, and she said, what would a random audit scheme be acceptable? Stefan, I'm going to put that to you. Um, so it's not that they're audited all the time, every time, but there's a that sense that they could be audited it, it at any be, time. Yeah, it can be part of a strategy. Uh, I wouldn't say no in principle. We, we don't allow that. And uh, to be honest, it depends on the, on the scheme. Uh, sustainability schemes, uh, especially for farmers, should be uh, the less formal that is possible. Uh, and uh, we have wineries with 10 operators working that are certified. So I think it is affordable. And another thing that I always reply, uh, that I always say when asked about the costs, uh, is it a cost or is it an investment? I can do several mm -hmm. examples on how uh, uh, wineries, smaller wineries especially, uh, were able to rationalize their uh, processes and they saved money, although there was uh, an initial investment. Uh, I, I won't waste time, and so I will not present an example, but I really can do that. Uh, I, I, I mean, I think that's a fair enough point. I mean, it's, it's a point. I mean, it really comes back to what, what Linda was saying, which is that it's about internalizing the issue rather than it being an external thing. Um, you know, maybe what you could do, therefore, is you say you start off with a formal audit process that can become more uh, periodic when people have established that um, that sort of credibility in that regard. And funny enough, actually, that's when Tobe and I were working with uh, David Cameron when he was prime minister a few years ago. That's something we suggested in in terms of regulation to do with health and safety. Um, okay, I want to now look at kind of the other end of the equation, um, which is the consumer. Um, <laughs> evidence not just in wine, but in almost any. Um, sort of sustainability claims that the consumer is confused as hell. Um, what can we do to help? Um, Linda, I'm obviously going to come to you first on this one, um, because as you you sort of flagged up at the beginning, you at System Belagate have, have done some extremely in-depth work on this to try and provide guidance to consumers. So going to start with you to, to explain that and, and then perhaps almost you can pose questions to the other three about <laughs> what you might like to see more of from the from the sort of upward supply chain. So, Linda, over to you. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, and actually the next uh, session here in the conference um, is solely dedicated to a um, customer perspective where one of my colleagues are also going to speak. So if you join for the next hour as well, you will hear even more. But I'll just bring, bring up what the work we have done here then more from a certification perspective. Um, so as everyone has already, you know, uh, identified, it is confusing. How do we know it's apples to apples and not apples to elephants or whatever? Because that's what the landscape looks like when it comes to certifications, especially in wine. And I think we also felt as a retailer that we have a big responsibility to understand more about these certifications because we also understand that when we start in our buying process as, um, to ask for specific certifications, that also creates a movement in the industry. I actually recently learned that a certification not related to wine, but another type of beverage that we sell, um, because we have been asking uh, quite a lot for that um, certification. They have seen an increase of applications of 30% in just one year. 
Um, so we have a strong responsibility here as a retailer to get it right, so to speak, and then also get it right all the way out to the customers. Um, so instead of kind of giving customer guidance of, you know, posting information about every single certification that we ask for in tender processes on our website or something like that, we have put together um, a customer guidance in stores and uh, online, which two customers consist of, of four requirements. But here, since we're all industry professionals, I can say that it's actually four requirements because one requirement is traceability. That, that is kind of the baseline for, for putting all of this together to be able to get this product-specific customer guidance. We call it sustainable um, choice, Holbart Val in Swedish. Um, and, and one of the other reasons why we saw that was not just driven by sort of um, the confusion perhaps around certifications, but also because right now, I, I think in all countries in the world, there's a lot of focus on environment and climate and rightly so. Uh, but we wanted to also emphasize the, the complexity and the different aspects of sustainability. So therefore, this guidance um, also contains uh, packaging. Um, uh, that everything has to be in a climate smart packaging, but also social sustainability aspects together with environmental and climate. So we were kind of doing two things here. One being helping out in clarifying what certifications do we think are the strongest. So out of those 35 plus that we have in our benchmark, not all of these 35 certifications qualify to get this guidance. And we also wanted to help customers understand that even though in media we mostly talk about environment and climate at the moment, we want to include other aspects as well of sustainability. And the ones we have chosen, as I said, is packaging um, and social um, sustainability. So right now, um, I think we have about 8-9% um, of our fixed assortment so out of 3,500 uh, products, I think then, then it's about just over 300 um, that have been given this uh, kind of additional label that we put on the shelf and is also visible on every product on our website. Um, and we don't aim perhaps for this to be covering everything that we sell because we want this to be just the best ones. So this is what we see as, as right now. Uh, the most sustainable choices. We introduced this in uh, 1st of March um, and already by 1st of June, we saw an increase. Uh, because also worth mentioning, since we are a monopoly, we operate quite differently compared to other retailers. So we change our assortment four times a year. So that's the time when we can also update and add more products um, to this scheme. Um, and I mean, we, we, you know, we don't work with any tools in terms of, of encouraging people to buy more. Um, so we don't have offers. We don't display products um, in, a, in a special way. So, for example, we could not highlight products that we would know um, are more sustainable uh, just like that. So that's why we also had to put together this customer guidance um, in a neutral way, so to speak, that everyone can kind of look at their products and, and can they qualify? Um, so everyone gets the same chance here to, to, um, to get this uh, sustainable choice green label on the shelf, so to speak. Okay. Um, and we do see some increase in selling of these uh, products, but we think it's, uh, it's, I mean, it's a slow shift. Uh, we understand that it will take time, so so we're not too stressed about not seeing a drastic increase that we, of course, would have liked to see. Uh, but we know that it, it is complex and we need to...
communicate. Um, and we do that by having in-store communication in our social media channels, but also, of course, our employees in the stores are our main assets who are very knowledgeable and we continue to train them on these topics so they also feel more comfortable in in talking about these uh, these issues okay thanks Linda that's very helpful um of the, the the others on the panel um what do you think it is that you can do to as it were make Linda's job easier um I, I mean as someone pointed out on the previous panel um, sustainability is, is definitionally a highly complicated thing. It's everything from, um, you know, climate, environment, human impacts, uh, the whole supply chain. What can um, uh, those involved in the standards and certification business do, do you think, to make it clearer to the end user uh, what's, um, what's going on? Who wants to lead off on that? So I, I, I may try, yeah. I, I, uh, um, there are two, two things that we can do in my, in my view. One is to try to influence the institution. Uh, recently, we have been in contact with the Spanish Wine Federation for another mutual recognition agreement, and they informed us about an initiative led by the Comité Van, Comité Européen Entreprise du Van. So it's the European uh, Committee of the wine enterprises, they would like to bring a request to DG Agri to limit the uh, unconditional use of sustainability claims in the wine sector, binding such claims, for example, to companies that have obtained a certain kind of certification. Uh, and this is something that I'm not saying that it is necessarily just one logo like organic, but this can set a standard. And so it can be useful for consumers because we, you would have less claims, less use of the word sustainable, and probably uh, much less uh, logos. The other things uh, we should do, in my view, is to talk to the market, but maybe not to the consumer directly, but at least uh, to the other parts of the business. And the SWR can be very effective uh, for this. And the quality of experience is, in the is that in the first years, uh, we had what we call the Argonauts, only a few uh, dozens of companies certified because they were uh, they just uh, believed in the project but then when the retailers or the monopolies started to know our program uh, the, the, the program was more and more successful and it's, it's like initiative like the sustainable choice can be very important and uh, Linda you, you started you started three three months ago if I'm not wrong so uh, you said there's no big increase but maybe just wait a little bit more. I hope it will be effective. Okay. Um, we're now five minutes from time. So I, I want to just pick up on the, the last issue I wanted to talk about this afternoon, which is, um, and it really picks up on what a number of you have said so far, is how do we stop this being a desk exercise? I think certainly when we at the SWR operations team started to think about how we were going to approach this standards question, it felt primarily like it was a desk exercise but it's what's become clear from the discussion since is that yes that needs to be part of the process but actually a key element is this sharing of experience it's um it's sharing knowledge uh, you know to pick up on what stefano's been saying it's this mutual recognition um and what Anne law has been saying how do different organizations learn from one from the other so uh say we've got um, five minutes left, so each of you has some um, slightly less than than two minutes to to be able to just give your 
sort of two or three key points on how this process of, of standards benchmarking can be the most useful it can to effectively pushing forward uh, best practice and looking for areas of collaboration. Um, uh, and Laura, I'm going to start with you on that one. <laughs> I need to be more inspired before answering. <laughs> okay, Anna, then you can go first. Sorry. Things people do sorry, my, I, the question. My, my computer was connected to the mobile, sorry. Um, well, yeah, definitely this, this is important that it's not just a paper exercise, it's not a desk exercise. And, and that's what we were talking before also about uh, the importance to consider all the, 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 the local issues. I mean, there are the global, the global problems, global concerns, but with, with, with many uh, local realities and, and local challenges and local legislation that needs to be uh, taken into account involving the, the uh, organizations. Key, key, I mean, it's key to identify key stakeholders in, 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 in different uh, regions, in, in, in different sectors, in different uh, links of the chain, so everybody can, can have a word and be able to participate in, in, in this process. It's, it's really challenging because it's, we, we definitely need to make this global and, and inclusive. And, 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 and I think that uh, the roundtable has been uh, very, very good on that. If you, if you see the membership, it's, it's, it's really covering almost the whole world. And, and it's definitely uh, important to, to, to find those, those right, right channels to, to be able to get the voice from everybody uh, up and down, so we can also share that that knowledge in in all the the different learnings from other different sectors and regions. Great, thanks, Stefano. Coming to you next on this one. How can we best? I mean, it sounds like you you've been doing a lot of it anyway. How, how what are the best forum, the best structures to to share knowledge and share experience? Well, I, I... you've muted yourself. That great expression for the last two years, you're on mute. Sorry. Okay. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me? Yes? Okay, great. Sorry. Oh, well, uh, as I said uh, before, I think that the SWR uh, uh, or similar initiative, but we just have the SWR now, can be crucial on this uh, because it's, uh, uh, it's a place where uh, uh, standard owners, uh, certification bodies, retailers, monopolies, uh, so all the business is, uh, is in. Uh, so it can be the right place where we can talk to each other and to make uh, everybody aware of our initiatives. It's nice to feel useful. No pressure, eh? <laughs> uh, Linda, um, coming to you uh, on this one, because you know, arguably you could say that the, that the sharing exercise allows almost narratives and stories that, that the labeling scheme you've done is, is fabulous. But sometimes these things are best communicated by um, stories that consumers can sort of relate to. How, how might sharing be use, most useful to you from the, the retail end of the equation? Sorry, can you... I didn't get the question completely. How, how, how can a sharing process, how can, you know, rather than this process of benchmarking standards being just a desk exercise, mm. but actually start to try and share experience between the different standard owners and those involved in the process, how might that be best leveraged for what you're trying to do with your consumers? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's always very challenging to communicate to consumers because it's so so complex. I think as we all professionals, you know, struggled with that. It's it's not a very easy task to do. We're trying now with with our own then how we have put together the different uh, sustainability as aspects with sustainable choice. But I mean, I get really excited just by the thought of what we can achieve here in, in the Sustainable Wine Roundtable together on this. Um, if, we have, if we have this common view, and now of course, with, between the Nordic monopolies, we have already shared a lot, uh, sort of how we view the different certifications for some time. But the possibility to get other retailers on board as well is really exciting to me uh, because I think that will really help the industry to show a very clear signal in terms of where we're going. It's going to make it easier going back to some of the previous points about sort of smaller producers and so on and, the, and perhaps costs. Um, I mean, then, you know, you have a clear demand for it. So, you know, it would make business sense if you, if you don't. If you haven't come yet to kind of owning this and wanting to do good for yourself yet, and, and it's still more of a number numbers thing, uh, that also helps. I mean, I, I think it, for me, it doesn't really matter why someone would work in a more sustainable way. If it's just for 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 sort of for, for money reasons, that's fine as long as we kind of achieve the same thing long term. So I think there's it really excites me about what we could bring together if we if more retailers could be aligned here and by that helping the industry going forward so i think that's a first step then how we communicate this to a good way to the consumers uh, don't have a clear cut answer to that yet <laughs> yes then you'll come to global peace thereafter um, yeah. <laughs> yeah no and i think that i think that's a point that's well made actually and, and i think certainly that 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 I think where what you've expressed about SWR it reflects what we've heard from from a number of things. It's it's about you know having that sense of common ambition to try and find where the overlaps are, if there are gaps, how to fill them. So Anlo, um, you've you you prevaricated at the beginning, and probably just to get the last word. Yeah. So um, yeah, what I want to say is that I think we are all agree about the fact that we need to share everything because we need finally to involve everybody everyone finally into the um, into the sustainable way because we need to be sure about what we're saying we need to um to precise some common objectives and then we need to communicate but we need to communicate by um like a sustainable or transparent communication to be sure that everybody uh, is involved and everybody knows and understands um, the different uh, objectives. So I think we are all agree about that. We need to be all together to yeah. go ahead. Yeah, I think that's great. And I think that's a, that's a great place to end. And I think that, you know, as, as we were explaining at the AGM earlier in the week, that sense of trying to understand where that commonality is, how to share where there's areas of, that, that can be shared, if there are gaps, if there are things that need to be filled, how does that happen? But to do it as a common common endeavor. So Stefano, Linda, Anna, and Anne Laure, thank you so very much. 